0: Well, amen. There is no other name. Amen. Amen. Man, what an amazing reminder this morning of the truth of the gospel, that it's in Christ and Christ alone that we have eternal life and uh, what a gift that is to us. Uh, Before we get into the message this morning, uh, I do want to share just a couple quick things. Uh, One, just a reminder, uh, our Sunday evening service uh, tonight, we will not be meeting tonight, but we are going to be back to normal on Wednesday night. And so this last Wednesday, uh, we did not have our normal evening service on Wednesday night for the Word of Life and the adults and the teens and all that. Uh, That is back to normal this Wednesday. So don't forget about that. And then also want to let Let you know uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time. I forgot to mention this during the announcement time. Uh, If you're visiting with us for the very first time, thank you for being here. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, In the seat backs in front of you, there are some visitor cards, some connection cards there. We'd love to connect with you. If you'd feel comfortable filling one of those out, you can drop that by our Next Steps area at the Welcome Center. We'd love to give you a free gift, just our way of saying thank you for being here today. Give you some information about our ministry here and how we'd love to come alongside you in your walk with Christ and help in any way we can. Well, this morning, we are going to be talking about the idea of, of what do we do now that Christmas is all done, that Christmas is over. We're a week away from Christmas, and maybe some of us still have a family gathering or a dinner left on the calendar. But for the most part, we've pretty well finished up all of our Christmas dinners and meals and festiv- festivities. And so I want to ask, just you don't need to answer out loud, but I want you to think about this. How was it? Alright, so just think about that for a minute. How was it? How many maybe ate a little more than they should? If you're going to be honest. It's church, don't lie. You can lie when you get home, you can't lie here. So, we've all kind of gone through this week and we've had fun. Maybe it was some good times, some stressful times. Um, Was anybody up late on Christmas Eve? You were up late on Christmas Eve taking care of some of the things for the Christmas morning. Okay, who was up after midnight wrapping presents, getting things ready? Okay, a couple hands. Anybody up after 1 a.m.? Okay, all right. What were you guys doing? Like, what is... 2? Okay, 2 a.m. You guys were up to 2? Okay, any... Okay, I'm going to keep my hands up because we were up till 2.30 Christmas Eve putting something together for Christmas morning that we couldn't put together ahead of time. So um, Christmas morning, the, the boy, I have two sons, and it was 7 o'clock, and they were like, hey, you ready to get up and get going? And I was like, yeah, turn the coffee pot out. I'll be out there in a few minutes. And it was like a 20 minutes later... I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll resurrect here in a moment at some point. So, but I hope you had a great week. I hope you had a lot of fun, a lot of memories, uh, played a lot of board games, did a lot of things, traveled, whatever it was. I, I pray that you had a great, great time. But for some, as we finish up this week, For some, we kind of see Christmas as just an event on the calendar. It's just just something that we do around the 25th of December, and it kind of stays around that time. It doesn't really kind of translate off of that date. It's not so much a celebration that we continue on with all year. It's a one-time event or maybe a week-long event. I came across this poem from Chuck Swindoll and I think this is how some in our culture and maybe even some here today, you don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to testify if I hit a nerve and you're like, that's me, preacher. Don't, don't do that. Okay. Keep it between you and the Lord because nobody else knows and you're fine. All right. But I, I want to share this. Doll says this "Twas the day after Christmas. Towards the day after Christmas, when all through the place, there were arguments and depressions. Even mom had a long face. The stockings were hung empty and the house was a mess. The new clothes didn't fit and dad was under stress. The family was irritable and the children no one could please because the instructions for the swing set were written in Chinese. <laughs> the bells no longer jingle and no carolers came around. The sink was stacked with dishes and the tree had turned brown. The stores were full of people returning things that fizzle and fade. And the shoppers were discouraged because everything they bought was half price and on sale. was the day after Christmas, the spirit of joy had disappeared. The only hope in the horizon was 12 bowl games in the new year. Now, I, I know we find that humorous and kind of think about some of the things that kind of we find. And we were actually, Sandra and I were at the store here this last week and, and not returning anything, I promise. We were not returning any gifts. Um, we were out uh, actually using a couple of gift cards that came through. So praise God for gift cards, amen. And so we were out doing that, and uh, uh, we were at a department store. And, and as I was going around the one area, the customer service is back near the restrooms. And as I was kind of going around, they had these lines set up. These things kind of like you see at a theme park, you know, to keep people kind of going. And it was just, it wasn't really full, but you could tell because this was a few days after Christmas. You could tell it was probably packed with returns and all of that. And so we can kind of find humor in all of that. That see the idea of, okay, it's after Christmas and kind of getting back to normal. And we're returning some gifts and things that weren't right. And we're kind of getting back into the swing of things. But I want to ask a question this morning of how do we continue to celebrate the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, the reality of the gospel beyond just December 25th? How do we carry this through the new year? Basically, how do we celebrate the day after Christmas? Now, I know we're a week after Christmas. The idea is we're going to continue this through the new year. How do we move from a moment on the calendar to a life of continued praise for the coming Christ? I want to look at kind of what what happened after the Christmas season with Mary, Joseph, and even our Lord Jesus. Now, open your Bibles, and I pray that you have a copy of God's Word with you. Um, If you don't have a copy of God's Word, whether on your phone or in print, in the seats around you, there are some Bibles there. You can turn there with me. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I want to get into God's Word this morning, and if you want to follow along... Um, with notes, you can do that as well on the app. There's, uh, if you go to media and then messages, you'll find the notes for today. There's a handful of scriptures that I'm going to be referencing this morning that I want you to have a copy of as well. And so Luke chapter two, and if you're using one of the Bibles provided, you can just turn to page 716. So if you're using one of the Bibles provided, you can turn to page 716. Luke chapter two, and starting in verse 39. Now, this isn't really directly after, meaning what takes place after. We know that a lot takes place after the birth of Christ. We know that that they're born, that the wise men come, that they flee to Egypt, that they return home. And all of this is happening here. But I love that this is saying that basically following Jesus being presented in the temple, this is kind of Luke's summary of following those experiences, moving through the the life of Christ until we meet him again as a young man. And so Luke chapter 2 and verse 39, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And this is referring to the child Christ. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's pray and ask God to affirm these things in our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you for this morning given among men, whereby we your holy name. It's why Revelation is such an amazing book to consider, that for all eternity we will gather around your throne with the angels, and we will worship you. And, And Father, I love that because the angels take their lead from us that it's the believers that are praising you and singing songs of praise. And it's the angels many times who chime in with us because we are the redeemed. We are the ones that can praise you like nothing else in creation can. And it is through the name of Christ that we find eternal life. It's not faith in a denomination. It's not faith in a religious work. It's not faith in baptism. It's not faith in tithing. It is faith in the person and finished work of Christ. And so I pray, Father, that everyone here before me, those watching online, have come to know Christ. And if there's anyone here that is not for themselves, individually repented of their sins and trusted in Christ for their salvation, seeking the forgiveness of sins, I pray that they would do that before they leave this place, because your word says that when we breathe our final breath, that we will stand before you in judgment, and we will either be in Christ or we will not. And you say in your word that there will be many on that day who say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And you will tell them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And so, Father, in this life, you've given us grace. You've given us time of repentance. So I pray that we would come to that repentance, receiving Christ, finding the forgiveness of sins and eternity with you in heaven. Father, if we choose to reject that, you say in your word that we will spend eternity separated from you in a place of hell. And so, Father, would you give us wisdom in that? Help us to know you and know that we know you. For those of us that are followers of Christ, I pray you'd help us to continue celebrating the wonder of the birth of Christ in through the new year, every day looking for opportunities to make you known, to rejoice in the goodness of your grace and to praise you for the wonder of the birth of Christ. Everything changed in that moment in Bethlehem. Everything changed. And so we thank you for your wonderful grace and your salvation which you offer so freely. Father, again, we praise you. We lift you up. We ask, Holy Spirit, you give us your wisdom and understanding as we continue through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here, Luke tells us that following all these things happening in the temple, the amazing prophecy of Simeon and Anna and all that takes place there and all this whirlwind of events that Mary and Joseph have gone through, they just return home to Nazareth and they begin to live their lives. It's pretty remarkable how really unremarkable that becomes. It's kind of amazing. They really just go back to living ordinary lives. In fact, there's much belief that Jesus did not demonstrate any evidence of him being Messiah to the public. We know he goes to the temple as a young man and he has this amazing interaction with the Pharisees and his questions in response to their questions are stumping them where they don't know what to say, which is kind of a rabbinical tradition that usually you would teach through the asking of questions and then the student would respond with the answer and so jesus here when they ask the questions he answers their questions with even better questions and they go we don't get this like how can you know all this apart from that we don't really see anything from the messiah until 30 when he begins his public ministry with the baptism of john And so when you really read the story of Christ, like there's large gaps where so many people have tried to put things in there and tried to make things happen. And there's teaching in other religions that he traveled to India. And I believe it was Hinduism that claims that he has a part in that. And it's just we try to force fit all these things in there. But really, the text just reveals to us that he just lived an ordinary life of faithfulness to God. And Mary and Joseph were faithful to the Lord and they served the Lord right where they were and they, they lived their lives and they just lived for the Lord. However, we just also see this connection and relationship with the Lord, that that was a huge part of their lives. You see, we try carrying the power to normal and it's tough. I was just talking to someone this morning about getting back in the routine of getting up in the morning earlier than we have been. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, usually get up around six. I've not been getting up at six this last week. I'm just going to be real with you. Okay. I've been sleeping in a little bit, but this morning getting back in the routine of getting up and getting ready for church was a little, a little tough. You know, you go to bed a little earlier than you were and you get up a little earlier than you were and try to get back to normal. But as we get back to normal and get back to the everyday which, by the way, I know we love the mountaintop experiences with God, right? Those moments that you just know God's presence is so real in that moment. I just want to let you know, those, those moments happen, and they're amazing. But the vast majority of the Christian life is not lived on these amazing mountaintop experiences. The vast majority of the Christian life is lived in the everyday, kind of what we would call from our perspective, not God's, but our perspective, The everyday mundane things of life. You get up, you go to work, you come home, you have dinner. Maybe you spend some time with the kids or the family. You go to bed, you get up, you go to work, right? It's just, that's what I mean by the mundane things. And I know so many of us are like, yeah, but I don't like that. Man, every single day you wake up with breath in your lungs is a gift of God's grace. We should go to work excited to say, Lord, use me today as a missionary in this field, at this time, whatever I'm doing. And you would say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't have a mission field. Yes, you do. Your children, your community, your church, all are your mission field. And by the way, I told Sandra when, when we were kind of had, when our kids were younger, I said, man, I would never trade jobs with you. She was a stay-at-home mom for many years. Now she works in a preschool class. You know what I tell her? I would never trade jobs with you. Kids are great. I love kids. They're awesome. Preschool kids kind of scare me, not going to lie. I'm a little intimidated by the preschoolers. But when you think about this, like it's that everyday life that we live as followers of Christ, and there's such great joy in that. You see, it's the ordinary, normal days that God reminds of His goodness and His grace, and we just infuse that normal day with the grace and the goodness of God. And we let the gospel radiate and resonate through the ordinary. So many Christians are like, Lord, I need this miraculous, amazing moment. But you remember and realize from scripture, those miraculous moments were rare for even those in scripture. That's why they were miraculous. They weren't called ordinaries. They were called miracles. Because they were unique moments where God intervened in some great way. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, yeah, but don't, doesn't God perform miracles every single day? Yes, in the sense of breath in our lungs and the life. And there's many things we can praise him for, of course. I'm saying those Moses mountaintop moments where you just experience God in a new way, a different way. And they're great and they're amazing. But do you know where you're really going to find growth with the Lord? Those morning readings in his scripture that you really don't want to get up and do? those times of reading the word and praying, and you feel like, Lord, I read your text, or I read the text, I prayed, I don't really feel anything. I'm still thankful Christianity is not a religion based on our feelings, amen? Uh, Christianity is based on the truth of God's word and the finished work of the cross. And so we're not going to always feel some warm and fuzzies. Often it's going to be reading the text, praying, God, give me wisdom to apply the text. There's a miracle that we apply what we read by God's goodness. And then we go back to the ordinary, just living life, treating people like Jesus would, sharing the gospel when we can, being kind, right? Serving the church, serving our community, whatever God is calling us to. So in that ordinary, everyday life that we're getting back into, how do we translate or transplant that Christmas celebration into those days? I want to give you, and now hold on, take a breath. I want to give you six things. Six things. You're like, preacher, usually you give us two things, okay? We're not meeting tonight, but if he did, it's on low, okay? If you put it on high, that's not my problem, all right? So I want to give you six things to do after Christmas. Six ideas of principles that we can apply to our everyday lives to help us continue to celebrate Christmas. And again, these are in the notes on the app. If you don't have that and you want a copy of these notes, just let me know. I'd love to send them to you digitally or uh, or whatnot to help you in your walk with Christ. And so six things that we can do after Christmas. The first thing, and I'm going to give you some references. We're not going to turn to all of these for time's sake, but I will give you the reference. So the first thing we need to do following Christmas is clean the house. Mm, Amen. Clean the house. Uh, You can jot it down. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew five and verse eight. And again, you can reference that for your own personal study. And we're not going to turn there right now, but Matthew chapter five, verse eight, what are, what are we talking about here? Cleaning the house. We need to evaluate our hearts and our minds. Uh, we need to ask God to do for us what David asked God to do for him. He says this, search me and try me. See if there be any wicked way in me, man, what a prayer of David. That's, a, that's what you call a dangerous prayer. Because if you pray that prayer, God's going to do that. By the way, God's already doing that. We're just not always aware of it because we're not in the right heart to pray it. But when we're praying it, we're hopefully open to him doing it. But you ever thought about that? Search me and try me. Test me. Dig deep inside the innermost part of me and reveal what's really going on in there. And then convict me of what's going on that I might be changed you know you better than others. If you really sat down with yourself and started digging deep inside, you know there's things that you struggle with that you don't want anyone else to know. There's struggles and sins and issues that you're like, man, I I don't want anyone to ever know this because it it makes me so mad that I battle with this or it breaks my heart that I have to battle with that and... And no, God is looking into your situation and diving into you and saying, I will reveal those things to you by my spirit, through my word, and then I will show you the grace to be rehealed and redeemed and repent of that and to be restored. You see, as followers of Christ, we cry out, Lord, I want a clean house. I need to clean some things out. Just as life gets busy around Christmas and the house can get out of hand so quick. And if you've had family over your house, you know, instantly it's like, I didn't even know we had that in this house and it's all over the floor. Like, where did that even come from? We can start living on autopilot and stop taking time to look into our own lives and see how quickly things can get out of hand and how messy things can get. We need to do a personal inventory between us and the Lord and say, Lord, would you search me and try me and help me clean this house a little bit. If Christmas is going to impact us beyond the 25th of December, it starts with some house cleaning. Don't wait until spring. What do I mean by that? Don't put this off. But of Now, what habits or things is God cleaning or bringing to your attention need to be cleaned out? Let him do that work. So we clean the house. And I told you we'd move quickly. Secondly, we need to take down the tree and keep the lights on. We need to take down the tree and keep the lights on. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 and 16 talk about this idea of us being a light. As you take down the real tree that many of you got, any real tree people? Who's a real tree? Had a real tree up this year. Okay. Okay. How's that thing doing? Doing okay? It's already outside. It's already gone. Okay. All right. I'm one of those fake tree people, so I'm not going to take the tree out. I'm just going to put it back in the bin. Okay. Shove it back in the basement. So whatever you're doing, as you're taking the tree down, maybe you're taking it out to the curb, maybe you're putting the fake one back and, and getting it packed up again, I want to encourage you to remember to keep the lights on. Now, what do I mean by that? For some of us, this is more than an illustration because you actually leave your lights up outside all year round. I'm not looking at anybody. I don't know if you do that. I'm just saying. But I want to use it as an illustration. I want to talk about the light of Christ in you. That when we take down the decorations, we put everything away for the year. We pack it back up in the basement or out in the garage or wherever it goes. We let the light of Christ that we celebrated on Christmas. That's the whole beauty. What does Isaiah say? A light has come, right? For those who walk in darkness, a light is shining of God's glory and grace. Even Simeon said that he will be, Christ will be a light to the Gentiles. That light of Christ in us is to shine out of us into the lives of others. We can allow the light of Christ to spread out into our communities, our workplaces, our areas of influence, wherever we find ourselves. And allow the light of Christ to change our world. Jesus said that you and I have a light that is shining in us spiritually in this dark world. Again, the answer is not to amass all the lights in one area. Hear me now. The answer to the dark world that surrounds us is not to amass all the lights in one area and keep them there. Amen? That's easier, isn't it? Man, it's easy when you get all the lights together on a Sunday or on a Wednesday and we celebrate Christ and we worship and we praise God. Man, it's easy and it's, it's joyful and it's, it's wonderful. And we don't neglect this because guess what? All of our lights need a little recharging. Amen? We get down, we get discouraged, and you get around another light of Christ, and you begin to get encouraged, and kind of your light begins to shine a little more because you're realizing, oh, I need to get rid of this, and I need to repent of that, or I need to ask for prayer on this, and and God begins to work through the body of Christ. But then we take those lights out into the darkness, and we watch Christ change people's lives through the power of the gospel. Jesus also said that our light is connected to our good works that are done in Christ. So not only do we say things that are gospel-centered, we live lives that are gospel-centered so the light will shine through our works and our words. So we clean the house. We ask God to evaluate some things and get the house cleaned up. We take down the tree, but we keep the lights on. We, we allow God to keep shining through us. Thirdly, we walk away from the manger, but we stay in awe. We walk away from the manger, but we stay in awe. In awe. You're in Luke chapter 2. Let's look at verse 20. Luke chapter 2 and verse 20. Now we read the one passage from Luke all but one of our weeks of our Christmas series. And if you missed our Christmas series, uh, let Christmas be Christmas. We just finished it up last week. You can go on again the app or our website and, and watch those back and uh, kind of um, go back and look at those. But but I want to kind of talk to a passage or part of this passage that we've been reading now for many weeks in verse 20 of Luke 2. It says this, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. In their, their sheep by night, the angel appears, gives this amazing declaration of the coming of Christ, that he has been born. Of a virgin, he's lying in a manger. They instantly, without hesitation, go and let's see this thing. Let's investigate this thing. They go and see what's going on. As they're traveling back from that experience, they're telling everyone they could. And then we get to verse twenty. When the shepherds returned, returned where? Where did they return to? They went back to work. Right? They went back to the fields where their sheep. Were They went back to work. And then it says glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So they're praising God, not just for the angels declared, but they're praising God because of what they saw. They saw the Messiah and they couldn't help but keep that in. They had to tell everyone and they're praising God. And so that's what I mean by walking away from the manger. They didn't stay at the manger, right? They didn't, they didn't build a house next to the manger. And we're so, we're so tempted to do this as human beings. We go to places where Jesus was or things that we think Jesus used or, or buildings Jesus may have visited or rivers or bodies of water. And we go there and we want to spend time at the presence of where God was, where Jesus was. And it's great to visit those things. I've never been to the Holy Land. Would love to go someday to see these stories just come to life. Would be amazing. But you don't have to travel To where Jesus was to experience who Jesus is. And these shepherds decided, hey, we can't live at the manger. We have responsibilities and commitments and things that we have to get back to. So they went back to work, but they didn't forget what they saw and what they heard. As we, like the shepherds did 2,000 years ago, go back to our normal lives this coming week. Back to work and the kids back to school. We must remember the awe of Christ's birth. We do not have to live at the manger to dwell in Christ's presence. We do not have to live at the manger to dwell in Christ's presence. That was the beauty in what Christ made available to us. It is not a location or a piece of furniture that contains his presence. You and I, by his grace and through his spirit, contain the very presence of God. I don't have to go to a temple somewhere in Jerusalem to experience God's presence. No. What did he tell the woman at the well in John chapter 4? First of all, he says, you worship, you know not what. There is no sincerity of faith and belief with Jesus. What do I mean by that? You can't believe whatever you want and get to heaven. Jesus told the woman at the well, You're worshiping and you don't even understand what you're worshiping or why you're doing it. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, he says. He actually says, Salvation has come and it's come through the Jews. Not the Samaritans, but through the Jews. He's referring to himself. And then he declares to her that he is the Messiah. But you know what's amazing about that passage? She asked a religious question Hey, where are we supposed to worship? You say Jerusalem is the place to worship. We believe in this mountain is the place to worship. Which one's right? Where are we going to have God's presence? No. Those that worship the Father will worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? I can have a relationship with Christ because Christ has given me his spirit. And it indwells me. He indwells me as the temple of God. Now, this is where some in today's culture will say, awesome. Awesome. Then if I got God's presence and I got the Holy spirit, I don't need to go to church. Cause you just said, it's not about a place. That's true. Praise God. You don't have to come here to keep your salvation. That's settled. And that's finished. That's in the, in Christ that's done. But I will tell you this, a follower of Christ who does not consistently gather with a local body of believers is not going to grow as God would have him to grow. That's just from scripture. It's also very foreign to the new Testament writers that any believer would consider not going to church and gathering consistently with the body because they automatically assume all Christ. Do you want to use your gifts to please the Lord and serve the body? So is it about coming here to get saved and be saved? No, that's settled in Christ. So when somebody can't be in a service because of some other reason or some other thing, they don't lose their salvation because they didn't walk through the doors in seven days of the last time they walked through the doors. That's the beauty of what Christ made available. It's not about a location or a place. It's about the presence of God through the Holy Spirit that's given to us by grace through faith. However, man, I'm so thankful that we get together. I'll tell you honestly, it was really good because usually on Christmas break, we don't have Wednesday night service this last Wednesday. And uh, that always messes me up. I never know what day of the week it is if we don't have church on a Wednesday because I'm like, Wait, is it Thursday, Friday, Tuesday? No, Saturday? I don't even know. But I was able to come up Wednesday night and just kind of sit with a few in a little Bible study with our guests and stuff, and uh, it was awesome. We had one of our uh, guests that was here for the week join the little Bible study, and, and it was awesome to get to share God's word and all that. So I, I felt a little bit normal because I was like, well, it's Wednesday, and I'm in church, so we're good. But I understand that things come up and things happen, but, man, I love gathering together with the body of Christ. And so no, it's not we don't gather to be saved. We don't come together to keep our salvation. We gather together as an overflow of our salvation, to rejoice in one another's salvation and to praise God together and serve one another. quickly. And I really mean that this time. I usually don't, but I mean it this time. As we talk about this idea of, of coming together and gathering together, it's really what makes the church gathering so powerful. Because we all have been experiencing him together in the unique way that God has designed. And then we come together and we share what God is doing. So I want to challenge you this morning as we move through the rest of this message. Just pause here for a second. I know, please don't make emotional resolutions. Because they're going to fall short by the end of February. If you get to February. Make, Make wise commitments. Set goals that you believe God is leading you to set based in wisdom, not just an emotional response. Nothing wrong with that. But if I could encourage you with one thing, maybe one of the best commitments to make this year is to commit to be with the local church to say, I'm going to serve or I'm going to commit to serving or I'm going to commit to being in service. I'm just going to be there and I'm going to make a commitment right now that that barring any unforeseen circumstances that I can't control, I'm going to gather with the body of Christ consistently in 2024, because I promise you it will make a huge difference in your life. So another tip for the day after Christmas would be this: re-gift what you've been given. Re-gift what you've been given. So Acts chapter one verse eight, popular passage again. Don't have time to turn there, but you can jot it down or it's in your notes. We want to think about the gift that we've been given. How can we give that out to others? Now, the truth is we've all been given a gift that someone gave us. One we didn't really want to return because we didn't really want to take the time or we didn't have an opportunity to do so. So maybe, and again, I'm not looking at anybody and you don't raise a hand. Don't commit to this. Don't say, yo, that's me preacher. Maybe when you needed a gift to give to someone in a hurry, there it was. (laughs) And you didn't return it, and you don't really want it, and you love the thought of the gift being given to you. But, man, this is in a bind. This would fit this need right here, and so I'm going to re-gift this gift. It could be anything from a candle to maybe a labeler or whatever it might be. You re-gifted that thing. We've all done it. It's okay. It's all right. You'll get through it. But the gift of Christmas is a gift that we can actually re-gift and feel wonderful about giving. We can actually re-gift this gift and never feel guilty because it is literally the perfect gift for every single person. As we learned about on Christmas Eve, it is the best of the gospel. You can give it to someone every day of the year. So I, I know we're kind of playing off the idea of re-gifting, but I want you to think about that. How are you giving away the gift of salvation that you've received? How are you committing to making a difference this year in someone's life by doing that? Now, we call that making disciples, leading someone to Christ and then leading them in the walk with Christ. And some of you might already be thinking, but preacher, I can't do that. I can't make disciples. I can't do that. I'm not smart enough in scripture. I don't know enough of the word. Here's the truth. If you know Christ, you can tell someone else about Christ and you can lead someone else in their walk with Christ. Discipleship doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. You've got all the answers and now you're going to tell someone else. No, discipleship is simply this helping someone else grow in their personal walk with Christ. That's all it is. And so maybe you're sitting there thinking like I could never do that. Yes, you can, because it's not you doing it. It's God doing it through you. You can make disciples because we're called and commanded to make disciples. And so again, a little application moment here. I want you to begin praying about this Lord. Who would you have me? to walk with this year? Is there someone that I called to walk with that you're laying on my heart that I could walk with them through their walk with Christ? Now, obviously, if you're a man, I would strongly encourage you disciple a man and a woman disciple a woman for obvious reasons. But it's a time of just spending time together, encouraging one another in the Lord. And so re-gift what you've been given, give that gospel away this year, and then allow it to lead into a discipleship relationship where you just are encouraging someone in their walk with Christ. Also, the day after Christmas, we need to take time to relax. I really thought I would have got an amen there, but okay, that's fine. Take time to relax. Mark 2.27. This is a reference to Jesus talking about the idea of the Sabbath day, the idea of the principle of the Sabbath, the day of rest. Jesus claims that he is Lord of the Sabbath which is a day set aside by the Jewish people as a day to remember that God rested on the seventh day, a day of rest in creation, so we rest. However, the Jews, by the time Jesus steps on the scene, had created so many laws and traditions around the Sabbath that it turned into a weight on people's shoulders, not a time of rest and relaxation. And Jesus' point in Mark is simple, that God created the law of the Sabbath for mankind that God knew men would need a day of rest. And so he puts this principle into practice in the old Testament. We see it as a command in the new Testament. We see it as a principle. Jesus fulfilled all the commands and laws of the old Testament, including the law of the Sabbath. He fulfilled all of that. And now we live as a day of rest, not specifically one day of the week that we have to follow from sundown to sundown, but we live in a, spiritual rest with the lord through christ that we have rest and peace in him we can exchange our heavy burdens and yoke of burden with his yoke which is light but then also we take time to physically rest it's amazing how now we're seeing studies and reports and things like that that when when people work 7 days a week their productivity goes down their stress goes up but when people take one day to rest and recharge and all that man the rest of the week they're performing better they're doing better When we don't work ourselves to death, but we're taking time to rest every single night, getting good sleep. It's amazing how productive we can be during the day. Isn't it amazing how God knows what we need? And he's wired us this way. So in light of that, here's your encouragement. You ready? Today, take a nap. Take a nap. Uh, Mark it down. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus took naps. Talks about when they're out in the storm, what was Jesus doing? He was napping. He was sleeping in the middle of the day. He was sleeping. And the disciples were like, why are you sleeping? Because naps matter. That's why Jesus was sleeping. Take a nap. Finally, the sixth thing to do after Christmas. And see, we got there. The sixth thing. You didn't think we would, but we did. Some of you were like, he's going to make this a two-parter. I can feel it. Into the new year. Ponder the past. Take me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Popular passage. Many of us have read this, studied this, some even memorized this passage. Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church at Philippi, a believing church, and he's encouraging them in their walk with the Lord and I love what he says here in Philippians 3 and verse 13. It says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say this in verse 15, Let us therefore... As many as be perfect, not perfect without sin, perfect meaning mature. So he says here, let us therefore as many be perfect, mature, grown up, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Do you know what Paul's saying here in Philippians? He's saying, listen, I've not arrived. And what an encouragement. The Apostle Paul who wrote of the third in the New Testament, who traveled thousands of miles by foot preaching the gospel, who established churches in places. There's still churches today who saw the first European convert in Lydia come to Christ in Acts 16. That Apostle Paul says, hey, guys, here's the truth of it. I've not arrived. I don't have it all figured out. And in fact, he says, I just want to know the power of Christ and the power of his resurrection. If, if the apostle Paul can say that I've not arrived, then we can sit and say before the Lord, we've not arrived. We have not got it all figured out. We don't have it perfectly figured out. And so what do we do? Because we're not there yet. We're not arrived. We're not in his presence in the sense of in heaven. So what do we do? We forget the things that are behind, those things that are before, and we press forward. Does that mean we don't learn from the things behind? No, we learn from our mistakes. We learn from those things that we've done. But remember, if you're being beaten down and made to feel guilty and shamed because of a past sin that you've asked for forgiveness of, you repented of in Christ, that is not the spirit of God doing that. That is your flesh. That is the enemy. God will never beat us up with our past sin. And if we're in Christ and we're repented of our sins in Christ, which means to be saved, then he will only push us towards Christ likeness. Now, the spirit may remind us of our sin in the sense of learning from it, but the spirit will never guilt us or beat us up or tear us down because of our sin past. And so what does Paul say? He says, I forget those things that are behind. Do you think it was easy for Paul to forget the things that were behind him? Persecuting the church, imprisoning Christians, overseeing the, the martyr of Stephen, being zealot for God and then realizing that he had it completely wrong. You think it was easy for Paul to just say, yeah, I'm just going to forget all that. No, that's why he tells us what he says. He says, we forget those things. We press forward. And then he says this in verse 15, because I've, I'm grown up because I'm maturing, because I'm learning some things. If I forget, if you forget to live this way, even God will reveal this to you. So what does that mean? When our flesh starts to deceive us, start to make us think things we shouldn't be thinking, the Spirit of God will remind us that, hey, no, 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 no. Press on. Press forward. Press ahead in Christ. That there's something ahead that God is doing that we can keep our eyes on. The Apostle Paul tells us that he looks to the past to learn from it, but he realizes he is living in the present and striving for what lies ahead. We must remember the tremendous blessing that is and was the birth of Christ. However, We cannot think that all God wants to do in this world happened in the past. God is currently working in this present world, accomplishing his global program. And the goal was and is to reach the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. And he is achieving that plan. We look to the past to see the track record of our amazing God with a great expectancy of what God desires to do tomorrow. So let me ask you a question as we close. How are you doing the day after Christmas? How are you doing the day after Christmas? What, if any, of these six things do you need to put into practice? My prayer for us as a church, my prayer for me individually and us together, is that we would allow the gift of Christmas to go into every day of our lives. That we will carry forth this knowledge of the coming of Christ, the grace that's been received and extended to mankind, they will share it with others and watch God change so many lives, not from the outside in, which again, January is all about that, right? Change everything from the outside in. No, no, no. In Christ, it's from the inside out. It's the only way true change takes place. And it's the way that God is glorified because we are weak and feeble creatures in our sin, and yet He is gracious and good to work from within us by the Spirit of God, change us to the image of Christ, and all glory goes to Him. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer as so we have a time of invitation? Father, We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that as we spend this morning together reflecting on not only this message, but also this last year, this Christmas season. Lord, I pray that we would take the celebration of Christ beyond the 25th of December. That we would go forth into our everyday lives. And this week ahead, looking for opportunities to make you known, to share your grace. Father, I pray that you'd help us as your followers, as your sons and daughters, to with great anticipation, look forward to what you have for us, not forgetting to live in today, enjoying the grace today that you give us, enjoying your presence today, but with anticipation, looking forward, pressing on in Christ And if anyone here, Lord, is struggling in that way, maybe they're having a hard time letting go of the past, forgetting those things that are before. Maybe they're beating themselves up or they're tearing themselves down because of something from the past or or whatever it might be. Maybe they feel like you just couldn't use someone like them because of what they've done. I pray, Father, that they would know that you can reveal to them truth. And so, Lord, would you work in a mighty way as we respond to what you're doing, And again, Lord, would you apply this message by your spirit to whoever is here today and however they need to hear it, whether in online or in person. And Lord, again, this is all for your glory. And so, Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, would they come to know you today, repenting of their sins and trusting in Christ, finding eternal life. Lord, again, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you for your ascension and thank you for your interceding presence in our lives today that you pray for us right now. So Lord, would you be glorified as we continue to exalt and lift up the name of Christ which is above every other name. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we sing a song of invitation Would you want to come and pray and spend some time at the altar and just reflect on what God is doing. You can do that. Maybe there in your seats. Whatever it is that God is doing, whether you want to sing or pray or whatever God is doing, would you respond to how He's leading this morning as we worship?